Hi everyone, and welcome to Setting the Table. Uh, this week we're going to talk. Uh, it's Parshas Miketz. We're gonna we have to jump into Hanukkah. Uh, amazing personal Shiloh that came up this week. Uh, what happened was as follows: I uh, some of my kids had strep, and we're not feeling too well. And we set up the candles for everybody, and um, I lit the candles, made my bracha. And as soon as I finished, I turned to my daughter and I said, all right, you know, it's your turn. And she was like, no, I'm, I'm just really, really not feeling well. I'm not going to light. And hmm, that got me thinking. We know that the halacha is that um, no one else has to light. A lot of girls don't light. Uh, wives almost never light. And so maybe she doesn't have to, she, it's fine, she was Yotze with me. On the other hand, um, I didn't really have her in mind. I wasn't really thinking because I saw her candles and I was thinking that she uh, was going to light. So what's the halacha? Did she have to light again? Did she have to light with the bracha? Um, or could she be Yotze with me? Kind of, even though I didn't realize what I was doing it for her. So... Very interesting, Shaila. I, I looked into this a little bit. I spoke to some people. Not super clear, um, but we'll just kind of throw around some of the some of the discussion. In general, with uh, something like kiddish, we would say that the reason I could be moti somebody else, there always has to be an aspect of kavana. Kavana means that I have intention to be moti someone else, and it means that the person listening has intention to be uh, to be Yotze through that. So if if this was a similar situation by Kiddush, we would certainly say it didn't work. If I thought, uh, and this comes up by the way, sometimes you might think that your uh, your your child is going to make Kiddush and the, the cup is set up for him. And he says afterwards, oh no, no, I was I was being, you know, I wanted to be Yotze through you. Well, maybe he had that in mind, but um but maybe you didn't. I should add that in the Shaila with Hanukkah, my daughter told me that she had already made up her mind to not be uh, lighting her own candles before I had made the bracha. She just didn't share that with me yet. So she knew, and she had kavana, but I didn't. So it's a little bit, a little bit more complicated. So here's here's kind of what what we go through a little bit. There's a, there's a halacha that if somebody is out of town, if somebody is going to be a guest somebody uh, somewhere else, uh, but his wife is home, she can light on his behalf. And it's actually a machlokas between the Beis Yosef and the Ramah. The Beis Yosef says that once she's going to be lighting for him, he's actually not allowed to light in his place. The Ramah is more mekel. He says, what do you mean? It's all totally on kavana. And if... He wants to opt out. He has every right to just opt out. And that, that would be totally fine. So the Ramah is Mekel that somebody could opt out. Uh, you know, the Shiloh would be if he didn't really think about opting out and then he calls her and she says, I already lit on your behalf. Seemingly at that point, uh, he was already kind of Yotze with her unless he had a clear Kavana not to. There it's very clear uh, that it would be totally in Kavana. Um, the question remains... Is this really dependent on kavana um, completely? There are some who seem to want to say 
that the idea of ner ish ubeso, ner ish ubeso means that the father, the balabayas, he is lighting on behalf of the whole family. He doesn't really have to have everyone in mind. When you go back to a case of Kiddush, even though I might not be thinking um, you and you and you and you, but it's as if, I've kind of said, every person um, I have in mind. Like we said, if you would see that cup where somebody's about to make Kiddush, in a certain way without thinking, but you know, unconsciously, you've actually said, this person is not going to be part of my Kiddush. So <clears throat> here also, um, do we say it's like that? Or do we say that it is going to be, um, it, it kind of needs that, that explicit kavana? Do we say it's just the, the concept of ner ishu beso? Ner ishu beso, again, would mean that by definition, I just have everybody in mind. What I see, what I don't see, it doesn't matter. Uh, kavana would, would basically say it's as if I've had kavana for everybody and I explicitly might have had a non-kavana for my daughter. So um, what seems to come out, it seems at the end of the day, it seems to be that both the one who is motzi and the one who is yotze, both would have to have kavana um, to, to kind of participate in this lighting. And therefore, even though my daughter, she knew that she wasn't, she was kind of um, going to try to go through me, but I had no intention because I had seen her candles. Uh, she probably should have lit again, uh, probably without a bracha, uh, just in case. Um, I'll just kind of discuss a few other quick cases. Uh, Rav Harfanis in the Mikdash Yisrael, he, he kind of says, he actually brings up something very interesting. He says that um, on the tzad, on the side of saying that there is no kavana, it's just nereshubeso, the dad is by definition lighting for everybody. He says that there are those who were machmir, he brings, uh, I think, some chasidish aposkim, he says there were those who were machmir to have the kids light before their father, fascinating, so that they're not kind of already yotze through what their father did. Because again, there seems to be some side that once the father does it, it has nothing to do uh, with anyone's kavana. Um, and he brings up another shaila, which is, what if some kid is sleeping while the father is lighting? And so the kid, even if you'd say that kavana works to get you kind of opting out, but this kid's sleeping. So he couldn't really even have any sort of kavana or non-kavana. And uh, Rav Harfidis, I was shocked. Uh, he actually says that this kid should light the menorah again, um, but just in case without a, if this kid wants to light, he should light without a bracha because it could be his father was already motzi him. So just some really interesting conversation. I know when we ask Shilas in our house, um, somebody always feels bad that they got the wrong answer. Uh, I think this is the kind of Shila where there's there's uh, <laughs> there's stadim lakan lakan. So that's just a, a really fascinating uh, thing. If you have any feedback, please feel free to uh, to email. Um, yzsonnenblick at gmail.com. Uh, send, me, send me what your thoughts. Okay, let's move on to a Dvar Torah. And the Chidush Harim has a fascinating discussion. He says, what is the machlokas between Bishamai and Beishelel? He wants to say that <clears throat> Beishamai saying you should go down eight candles down to one. Beishelel saying you should go up one to eight. He wants to say that 
if you notice, there are kind of two things that go on when you light a fire. There's really three. It doesn't talk about the warmth that it provides. But it provides light on one hand. It also um, destroys the oil. It, it, It sucks it up and it uses the oil. And he says, the machlokas seems to be, what is the main idea behind what's going on when we're lighting? Is it all about burning the oil or providing the light? He says, according to Beishamai, he says, it's all about getting rid of the bad. And therefore, the way for us to show progress, so the burning up of the oil is kind of showing that we're getting rid of bad, and the way we show progress in that area is by having less and less light every night. If last night I had eight canisters of oil, candles of oil to get rid of, and tonight I only have seven, so that really shows that there's, there's less and less light. We're doing the job of getting rid of the bad. And Beis Hillel says it's all about increasing the light. And therefore, according to him, progress is shown by increasing the light each night. Last night we only had three candles, and tonight we have four. And he says that's the Machlokas. Chedush Harim goes further, and he says that that was actually the Machlokas between Yaakov and Yosef in terms of where to put the hands for the brachas of Menashe and Ephraim. Yosef wanted to put Menashe first. Yosef, if you know, if you look at the, the Pasuk about who Menashe was or, or, or what Yosef was commemorating when he named him, he says, Kinashani Elohim is Kalamali, is that Hashem helped me forget. Menashe is the Sur Meirah. Menashe is, there was such, such tough times, there was such negativity, and Hashem helped me get rid of that. And Yosef saw that as the Iker Tachlis, the Iker thing we're trying to accomplish is to get rid of the bad in our lives. But Yaakov, Yaakov said no. And Chedushim says, it could be he saw that it's not always going to be possible. It's not always going to be possible to completely eradicate uh, the bad. And sometimes if we spend too much time on getting rid of the bad, we, we never get to the good. And so he says that Ephraim's name is, is, is connoting how Yosef was able to flourish in this bad situation. And Yaakov, like Hillel, was kind of saying, focus on the positive, focus on the light. We, we often kind of get hung up in that. We sequentially want to get rid of the bad and then move on to the good. Um, but but we, never, we could get stuck with that forever. Actually, as a, uh, as a therapist, I actually talk to clients all the time. In psychology, uh, we call this dead man goals versus live man goals. When somebody tells me that uh, I don't want to be sad anymore, I don't want to be anxious, <clears throat> or I don't want this feeling or that thought. So, uh, you know, the question I ask someone is, let me ask you something. Even if you get really, really good at this, let's say you're like, Barely anxious, tiny bit, but you're so much better. Even with all that, will you ever be as good as a dead man? The answer is no. A dead man has no anxiety, has no depression, 
has no bad thoughts. So your greatest goal is to just be, you know, not as bad as a dead man. That can't be a goal. That's not an inspiring goal. Live man goals are the things I like to accomplish. And so we try to kind of frame some of those things that, you know, even although I'm anxious, I, I, what are the things I want to do that I feel like I can't do while I'm anxious and kind of set that as a goal. Um, I actually just read a uh, story in the Circle magazine uh, the other week and I thought it was kind of right on with this. But uh, it was a story of somebody who came to town. He was a Magid. And he, he, you know, he said, you know, what's going on with, uh, with this town? And they said, you know, we're, we're really good. We're doing great. Um, you know, we don't speak Lashon Hara. We don't cheat. We don't steal. Uh, you know, we're, we're just doing great. And he said, okay, I guess there's not much to say. And on the way out, he actually saw a, uh, a dead donkey. And so he covered it up and he told everybody there was going to be a funeral uh, for, you know, for someone who is just, uh, just amazing. And everybody showed up to the funeral. How do we not know this person? And he started talking about this person. He said, you know, he said, this, this person uh, never spoke Lashon Hara and never stole and never cheated, uh, was never a Balgaiva. And everyone was like, oh my gosh, like who was this person in our midst that we never saw? And he, you know, takes off the sheet and he shows it's a donkey. And the point is that a donkey never did any of these things, but he also never did anything good. Um, so I thought that was very powerful. And okay, let's quickly run to a quick story. Um, the, apparently, Rav Kreisworth and Rav Hirschsprung were, uh, were good buddies, good friends. And at Rav Kreisworth's Sheva Brachos, um, they started talking about a Gemara. They started arguing about uh, where the Gemara was. And, you know... <clears throat> They got excited, they opened up the Gemara, and Rav Hirschsprung checked, and he saw that he was actually right. <clears throat> he kind of pointed to it, and he, as he was kind of about to say, he saw that Rav Kreisberg's Kala just had gotten married to this, this budding Talmud Chacham, and she, she's sitting there watching to see who was right. And so Rav Hirschsprung quickly, uh, again, to, to Rav Kreisberg, he kind of pointed to the daf, uh, but then he said, uh, he said out loud, he said, wow, I guess you're right. And he closed the Gemara. So uh, I thought this was very, very powerful that uh, somehow the idea of being correct somehow becomes our highest value at times, which is so silly and strange. And making somebody uh, kind of look good in front of his kala, it's kind of hard to imagine anything better than that. Um, everybody should have a wonderful Hanukkah, wonderful Shabbos. And uh, thanks for listening. Take care.